That's right. The Philadelphia Flyers are standing their ground. Won't be back down. They were at the gates of hell, down 3-1, but now have forced a Game 7 Saturday night to go on to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Islanders. Thank you, everybody. We're back with another episode of On a Couch in Delco. I'm Tom. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike. Ruffle. Broken up by Barzell, helped out by Everly. Lee in back of the goal, draws it to the corner. Low to high, Taves at the point. He'll walk it. Moved across for Mayfield. He fanned on the pass, he broke his stick, that's why. Now it's carried out by Hayes. Over the line, with Raffle crisscrossing. Him and Hayes, shut by Barzell. Up top, cruising his Provorov. He scores! Ivan Provorov wins it in overtime. Game 7, Saturday. 7.30 to be exact, everyone. I was actually watching that game on my phone, laying in bed with my son, because it was, what, 10, 11 o'clock, something like that. Um, so I was jumping up and down. I can't believe I didn't wake him up. I was banging on stuff. I was jumping. I was shaking the bed. It was a great, great moment. Uh, again, the, the Flyers aren't the only team this Stanley Cup playoffs to come back from a 3-1 deficit, not even in this round. They are the second, and then the third team was the uh, was the Vancouver Canucks after them, well, actually playing during the uh, Flyers' second overtime win. But these playoffs have been absolutely amazing, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the Flyers to do it, their three wins coming in overtime games, uh, and, and last night's game, we're, we're recording this uh, Friday uh, mid-morning. Last night's game, you know, the back and forth. Flyers go up 2 nothing, cough up the lead, end up falling down in the game. It was 4-3. I think Lott was the one that got the, the tying goal in the third period. Yep. And then going into double overtime, um, you know, about five minutes left on the clock in, in the second overtime. Provorov finally puts one uh, – in the back of the net to send the Flyers to game seven. It, I, I know we talked about it, I think, a few episodes back, Mike, that it was going to be a tough series. Yep. Think about the Montreal series, but a little bit tougher. And we said, think about how Montreal plays, how they're tight defensively, but with a little bit more firepower on the offensive side. And that's exactly what we have seen so far. And I think, you know, we were there saying it, it's going to be a seven-game series. Buckle up. This, this will be a tough series. I don't think either of us thought it was going to be this way, being down 3-1. Yeah. But uh, down 3-1 no more. Game seven, I have to think that the pressure is on the Islanders a little bit. At least the Flyers are getting a little bit more of their confidence back. We've seen the last couple games. JBR has gotten on the, on the score sheet with a couple goals. Uh, the captain, Drew, had one in game five. So still need to get uh, TK – to, to pot one eventually and really get the, the top scores on this line going. But I, I think you're starting to see the momentum and no matter what the Islanders are throwing at the flyers, the flyers are, are doing a better job of at least fighting back and coming back. I think you look early in the series being down four, three going into the third period. I, you would have thought at least those early games that the flyers were done, uh, but they came back, they tied the game, win it in double overtime. And we got game seven. There is nothing better than, I think, game sevens in the hockey playoffs. And bubble, not bubble, you know, yeah. I think the NHL playoffs are some of the best postseason. I would probably put it second to 
uh, the NCAA tournament in terms of overall playoffs and, and what it creates. But having a game seven in the NHL playoffs, it doesn't get much better than that from a sports standpoint, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I have the NHL playoffs head and shoulders above any other postseason out there. Um, you know me, I'm, I'm a hockey junkie. Basketball comes like fifth for me. So for me, NHL playoffs are the greatest. And this year, it, it's it's been not a letdown. I, I thought it might have been a stinker of a playoffs. It might not have got the, the whole back and forth, the, the different storylines, game to game. But no, we're getting that, and we're getting that in abundance this year. And uh, you can see we got two game sevens tonight. Um, and then, of course, the Flyers tomorrow playing the only game on a Saturday. Uh, Primetime game, everybody will be watching. So these guys will surely be up for it. But, man, this this whole series has been a, a roller coaster. Like I said, I said it was going to go six or seven games, and here we are at the seventh game um, coming up tomorrow night at 7.30. And, I mean, we, we went from the low of game one, the 4 nothing win, to the high of game two with the 4-3 overtime win, being up 3-1 late and giving up the lead. And, and then they lost two games in a row, and you're like, oh, man, this is it. The, the, the season is done. And then the Flyers win again in overtime 4-3, um, again being down 3-1 and giving up a late lead. And then last night, of course, going up 2 nothing. Um, then going behind 3-2, then tying it 3-3, then going back 4-3 uh, down, and then uh, Lawton with that unbelievable breakaway move absolutely stunned Var uh, Varlamov. He had no idea what to do. It was basically an empty net goal. And then Provorov potting that unbelievable play. I got to tell you, that Provorov shot was awesome, but I thought Kevin Hayes' pass was unreal if you look at that one angle from behind the net I mean it, it was almost a blind pass he had no idea who was there it just happened to go to Provorov finally the fire, Flyers get a Islander-esque uh, uh, pass that goes directly to the stick of one of their players like like so many of their goals this uh, this playoffs has gone but that's not to say the Islanders haven't worked the Flyers they have uh, I will say that but Man, I haven't seen a team get so many lucky bounces off off uh, Carter Hart's stick, right, right to uh, Anders Lee to, to pot the third goal, and uh, bounces behind the net. I, I know that comes with uh, with the work that they put in the forecheck, but uh, some of those bounces and the puck bouncing their way was uh, was bound to go to Flyers' way, and it has the last two games. So, um, and I guess it was what time the last two games before last night. Um, our favorite flyer, or my favorite flyer now, Oscar Lindblom, um, he skated pre, uh, pre-game skate. Uh, I know that first game, what was it, game, uh, game three, I guess, or game four, um, he, he uh, had his first pre-game skate. I thought he was playing. We tweeted out, we're in a glass case of emotion. Uh, it was it was going to be something crazy. And then last game, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was just going to skate until I Opened up Twitter, and I seen Oscar Lindblom is in the lineup. And I got to tell you, he played a hell of a game for not playing a game since December 7th. I mean, you, you got to absolutely um, be amazed at the courage and the strength and, and the fortitude that, that Oscar Lindblom has showed throughout this whole process. And now to play in game six and we'll play tomorrow in game seven, that's a Disney movie if I've ever seen one, Tom. 
all he needs to do is, is get a goal in game seven, and then you are yeah. starting to build that that story, right? So keep in mind, Mike, so I've, I've tweeted this out a couple times. If you're starting to feel may, maybe the magic is coming back for these Flyers. The 2000 New Jersey Devils, mm -hmm. the 2013 Blackhawks, and the 2014 LA Kings. These are three teams in the last 20 years that have all come back from 3-1 deficits to go on to then win the Stanley Cup. Now, the New Jersey Devils, they did it against the Flyers in the Eastern Conference Finals. We don't want to talk about that. That's the infamous uh, Eric Lindros head down uh, across the center of the ice with Scott Stevens uh, that the Devils went on to win there. But uh, if you think of 2014, the Blackhawks were down 3-1 against the Red Wings in the semifinals. They came back and beat uh, the Kings and then Boston to win the Stanley Cup that year. And then the LA Kings were actually down 3 nothing. Uh, to Anaheim, they then went on to win the cup against uh, AV's Rangers that year, who also uh, in 2014 was down 3-1 in their series uh, against the Penguins, only to make it to the Stanley Cup final. And then uh, three times. The, the, the Rangers did it again in 2015. So AV is about to be maybe a head coach that has come from 3-1 deficits three times. I haven't been able to see the stats on it or anything like that, but that has to be some type of, of record. And I think just speaks to uh, the job that AV has done with this Flyers team this year. And yeah, I, it almost feels like it, we started this uh, pot off pretty strong with the force in the game seven, not to make it any type of an afterthought, but yeah, Oscar Lindblom coming back to play game six, I think just phenomenal for him, phenomenal for his family, phenomenal for, uh, the team that it seemed like throughout the season, anytime things were going a little bit awry with the flyer season, Oscar Lindblom would, would make an appearance in the locker room or, or something that really got the team spirits high. So I, I think it's no doubt him coming and, and, and skating with the team in, in pre-drills and then also now playing in game six. I think that has the team spirits high. And I think momentum is – on the flyer side come game seven. I, I, I just do. And the, listen, I think we all know that the flyers are the better team. They just needed to play up to their full capability. And hopefully that's what we're starting to see now and what we'll see in game seven. And the flyers will uh, go on to take on a very tough Tampa Bay lightning team, but I, I think it'll be a different kind of series if they make it there. Yeah. I mean, I, I know they, they, well, they didn't sweep, but they uh, beat the Canadians in five games. And it was a tough series, and every game was a battle. And even that one they lost game two was a 5 nothing or something like that. Um, and this, this series has been 15 times the battle that, that uh, the first series was. And these are the type of series that, that build winners. I mean, if you can get past this Islanders team tomorrow, which I do think they do, um, I mean, that, that bodes well. Uh, the, the, I, I know they played seven games, and the uh, the Islanders, yeah. The Lightning have been sitting there for the last uh, couple of days just idle, but I, I do think it'll be a different different type of series, different type of game. Um, it, it just – I don't know what it is with the Flyers. They seem, they seem to just play up to their opponents and play uh, – and they, they push through. And you've seen it in the preliminary games, I know maybe – you could say, oh, the other team wasn't playing as hard. Well, yeah, they were. They 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 played their game. Uh, they didn't have Stamkos. Still don't have Stamkos, or maybe he came back. Um, but it's um, 
it's really breaking in the Flyers' way if they can get through this game seven tomorrow. I hope they come out of the gates like they much did uh, yesterday or last night, technically. Um, score those first two goals, but then they've really got to keep going. They can't sit back. They can't let that, that Islanders forecheck get to them. Um, I know that first Islanders goal, I mean, that was a hell of a pass. It even broke the stick of, of uh, Broussard. Uh, but it, it, it's, a, it's one of those goals where it had to go exactly perfect for the Islanders. And, and really every goal yesterday, I mean, obviously I'm getting to my next player I want to talk about who's been absolutely outstanding, and that's Carter Hart. Uh, what did he face yesterday? 60-something shots? Uh, uh, I believe four. it was like 53 or something like that. Not quite yeah, 60. Lot, but. Lots, lots of shots, including probably about 30 block shots. So attempted shots, they were probably well in the 80s, if not in the 90s, um, with all the wide shots and block shots. But uh, that kid is – he is something else, man. He is, he is one of the greatest goalies I have ever seen um, at his age. He, he for sure reminds me of Flurry and Carey Price. Uh, they were that young in the league as well. Um, just shutting everybody down, and Carter Hart is going to be that guy um, for the Flyers for the foreseeable future, hopefully for the next 15, 20 years, like uh, like Martin Brodeur was for the Devils. Um, I, I do think that is going to happen. Now, the one thing that I uh, I am seeing, um, Niskanen and Braun, man, they, they, they look like they lost like three steps. Um, from March until now. Braun especially, he might have lost five steps. He just looks so slow out there. Um, but you know what? He's grinding it out too. And, and uh, I was talking to my one buddy yesterday. He's like, oh, the Flyers, they're out of gas, the blah, 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 this and that. This is the playoffs, man. You can't be out of gas in the playoffs. And they showed it. They, they, they played two overtime periods, basically two full overtime periods, and ended up coming out with the W. Um, so it, that's that's uh, a lot to do with Carter Hart and, and those young defensemen and Braun and Niskanen back there fighting for the pucks, trying to get it out. Um, although the one, uh, what was it, the uh, – I guess it was the third goal or, or it was the uh, fourth goal after the Flyers tied it. Um, the Flyers tried to – they tried to clear it about three times from their zone – Thompson had it uh, at the uh, top of the top of the circles, and he had two guys breaking. Well, I know one was uh, Phil Myers, but he's almost like a forward out there, and he decided to just kind of put a little flub backhand shot uh, out of the zone, and it came right back in. That's the kind of things that are very frustrating with this team right now, and you kind of seen it after that. They really didn't have an issue um, with getting the pucks out. So whatever AV. Um, said to them in the locker room seemed to work and hey they pulled it off and we got a game seven baby yeah absolutely and definitely agree on Braun I thought Niskanen looked a little bit better the last couple games I, I think he is starting to uh, get his game a little bit back uh, I, I thought he definitely looked better uh, last night especially compared to where he was uh, earlier in the season but yeah it, it is you know for the most part I still a very young uh, defensive core, but I, I think they've stepped up. And yeah, Carter Hart, I think game seven is going to be Carter Hart. Don't get me wrong, has uh, played extremely well this series. I don't think he is necessarily, uh, maybe last night with the amount of shots that he took, it has really stolen the, the game. Uh, I think game seven is the game that he absolutely steals. I'm 
I'm maybe thinking it's, it's, you know, if they give up something, maybe it's one, but you know, we could be looking at, he had those two shutouts against the Canadians. I, I think maybe a, uh, a shutout. I think it's going to be harder against the Islanders, but I, I just have a feeling that that game seven is going to be uh, Carter Hart is really, that's, that's the one he's really going to steal uh, for the Flyers in, in my opinion. But what do you think about that, Mike? I mean, I think he's been absolutely impeccable. I mean, I, I know he's had a couple goals kind of leak through and stuff like that, but that happens. Not every goal he's going to stop every shot. But I can see him throwing a – pitching a shutout tomorrow um, or at least giving up maybe one goal and like a 4-1 Flyers win. Um, I, I'm, praying for, I'm praying for a game like that. I don't think we had a game like that all postseason except I'm, for the preliminary games. I'm <laughs> thinking – I'm thinking – clenching. I'm, I'm thinking a breathe easy game tomorrow. That's what I'm thinking. Carter Hart is just locked in, not giving up much. Flyers are a little bit tighter defensively, keeping, you know, keeping the Islanders away from the front of the, you know, front of the crease. I think that's where a lot of the trouble has come with this series is, you know, that, that defenseman just not marking his guy that's in the front of the net. And there's been so many, a lot of the goals that Carter Hart's given up has just been these clear cut. There's a guy standing right in front of him with, you know, with a lot of net and, and, the Islanders are professional hockey players too, so you give them that much clearance and, and put those away. Just, you know they're putting them away, and they were putting them away. So I agree. I, I think Carter Hart has played phenomenally, and, and a lot of the goals, you know, there's there's been one that happens to every goalie, right? We we saw Carey Price in the in the first round. There was a couple that, uh, you know, one of the top goalies, but he he had some ones that I'm sure he would like to have back, just like I think Carter Hart has had uh, in yeah. this series, but. Yeah, he, he's been phenomenal. You know, what's your thoughts, Mike? I had a conversation on the same topic uh, last night watching the game with, with, with a buddy of mine. Carter Hart, as it stands right now, in terms of top goalies in the NHL, where would you put him? Top five. Top five? So we, we were right around. We were clearly uh, top ten. We, we were probably saying, in, you know, Somewhere in, in the five to ten range. We we didn't go through each goalie, but you know we're 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 not far off. So I, I I'll say Tuka Rask is better right now. Um, I think Holpe's he's he's at the back end of his career. He's not that great anymore. Um, why is the guy from Tampa Bay slipping my mind? I keep wanting to say Vasilevsky. Yeah, yeah Vasilevsky. He, he, he's probably number two in the league. I think Carey Price is still a top five goalie in the league. He's proved it this year. Um, uh, and then Carter Hart. Everybody else just seems to be – I mean, they're hot right now. I mean, you got uh, um, Flory's playing really good still. Um, for for Vegas, uh, Robin Leonard out there, he's kind of taken over the duties this this uh, postseason. He's playing very well. Um, the uh, Varlamov, I mean, he's playing very well that this this postseason. You can't you can't knock these guys, but I just think Carter Hart at this point in his career is for sure a top five, probably top four goalie um, in the NHL. And you know why? It's because of this defense. This defense, it's completely different. I mean, I know I, I just busted on Braun and, and Niskanen maybe not being as good as they were in, in the regular season, but they have everything um, everything to do with the rise of Carter Hart this year. The defense has been that much 
better and more improved and on their game this entire season that Carter Hart is able to grow and become the goalie that he is and eventually will be, which will be the best goalie in the NHL. Um, if not uh, next year, the year after that, he probably will be the best goalie in the NHL with the growth of Haig, with the growth of Bill Myers, the growth of Provorov, um, those those defensemen, uh, and I, I'm, I'm forgetting one other, uh, Sanheim as well, um, those four defensemen uh, are, are going to help Carter Hart for the next hopefully 10 years. I hope we keep these guys around. I know there's rumors right now with Myers and Sanheim. Uh, I know with Patrick Lane um, out in Winnipeg possibly, uh, possibly being on the trade block those two names are going to be the first names that pop up because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a rock solid, young, already NHL season defenseman. And those two are at this point. Um, and if the Flyers get in on that line, uh, line A deal, and even if they get in on Johnny Hockey, I mean, if, if they get in on that as well, those are the two names that are going to pop up. And I am going to hate to see them leave. But I remember once in a blue moon when Lucas Sabisa got traded for Chris Pronger, and I was devastated because I loved Lucas Sabisa. I think and that I, one turned out okay, did it, Mike? That one was that, all right. And, that and one turned Pronger out okay. Pronger had the eye injury. But, yeah, that one was okay. So I just got to remember remember that uh, happened. But, yeah, the, the, don't get it wrong. Carter Hart is great in his own, in his own right. But those defensemen, those young defensemen, Niskanen, Braun, um, they all helped Carter Hart become the goalie he is right now in this NHL playoffs. Absolutely. And I think it's just fun for once. I think I saw the stat with the win last night. I believe that Carter Hart is now ninth all time in mm-hmm. playoff wins by a Flyers goalie, uh, tying that other uh, legendary Flyers goalie, Roman Chekmonic, if you remember Roman Chekmonic for all the yes. listeners out there. Uh, and, and I think it's crazy. If the Flyers end up winning the Stanley Cup, Carter Hart will be number three, just behind uh, Perrant and Hextall in terms of, and I'll pass uh, Brian Boucher uh, on the all-time play. So I think what we're saying here is that there hasn't been a lot of great goaltending in Philadelphia since probably Hextall. Boucher was good. You need um, to tell me Ilya Brzgalov wasn't a good goalie. <laughs> <laughs> he was until he got here. <laughs> it wasn't until he was uh Humanga's big universe guy. Yeah. I was I mean, I was super psyched about that deal to bring uh Brzgalov, uh to the Flyers. And I thought they so had look finally at, look at the guy that, that had to get shipped out because of that deal. He went on to win the Vesna. Yeah. That's another one that you can probably Bob. put up there in that in that top five, top ten discussion. Bob. Yeah, Bob's still up there. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely up there. Maybe not this playoffs. He wasn't that great. But, yeah, certainly uh, not this year. But <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of weird with uh, Ekblad in front of you too for most of the game. But yeah, Bob's up there. And you know what? I think if he would have stayed here, he probably still would have won that Vesna Trophy too. So it's uh, it's just kind of what happens. And got rid of that was another one. I, I love Snyder. He brought the Flyers here. I know I wasn't alive obviously in '75, but it was great. Uh, or '75. And what was it? Uh, 67? 67. Right? Yeah, yeah. 67. Um, but, man, he was so impatient with Bob because he wasn't – he was almost there. He was, like, at that cusp that, like, Carter was at at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. And, and the Flyers stuck with him now. And now look at him. That, that's what happened to Bob when we shipped him off to uh, Columbus. Uh, and, and as much as I 
love Ed Snyder. And, and I think he was one of the, the best owners that the city of Philadelphia has ever seen. I, I, and this is, this is a take I know that's going to irritate Flyers fans, certainly. But uh, towards the end of Snyder's uh, regime, I mean, the, the Flyers were like Al Davis and the Raiders of oh, yeah. the NFL, where Ed Snyder was very impatient, just trying anything. I think one of that final cup or, or the next cup, you know, the final cup for him uh, as part of his legacy. And I, I think there was just a lot of uh, questionable decisions towards the end at the behest of, of Ed Snyder. But I think the Flyers now are, are starting to, to turn around. I know sometimes I say that I'm like, you know, the Flyers are really no different a few years back, really no different than Al Davis and the Raiders. Uh, I, I think that rubs some Flyers fans the wrong way sometimes, but it's the truth. It's, it's the yeah, fact that it's matters. I think, I think, uh, you know, the Bob deal uh, is part of that. I think that was the last straw. I think the, the first two trades you can see were, were after the, uh, what was it, the summer of 2010 or 2011, whatever it is, when they traded Mike Richards, who was the captain at the time and still an awesome player, and Jeff Carter. I mean, I know I know they got uh, Voracek out of it and, and – uh, couple other and that board was it for check yeah it was for check from the uh board check and and coots technically because i think yeah, that draft pick ended up being uh couturier yeah but they got braden shen who then became uh, uh either became frost or farabee one of the two f's for the first round pick i mean they, they they got a lot of things out of that deal i'll tell you that but the kings also got a couple cups out of that deal as well uh, I know they had one of the greatest goalies to, to ever play the game at that point. Um, but it, it was those deals right there, I, I go back to that a lot. I said, if they would have stayed here, I think it would have been different. Now, I know there was probably underlying issues with both of those and behind the door stuff we didn't really hear about um, in the area. But you know what? If they would have stayed here, we may have won a cup, even though we – what do we have then? We had Razor and Boosh and Leighton. <laughs> we had about 40 goalies during yeah. those years. But, uh, yeah, it was, there, there, was, there was a lot of th good things that came from that that we're seeing the, the fruits of those trades now. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah, – you're right. I, and I don't – I'm not one of those Flyers fans who's like, yeah, Ed Snyder was the greatest. Yeah, he was the greatest, you know, but he made some absolutely horrendous decisions. But – we're past that now. Um, we're on to a new ownership group, technically, um, but but we have we have one of the one of the top five coaches in the NHL as well, and AV. And I mean, you look at the bench. I'm, me and Tom have been staring at the same screen on YouTube. If you look at his face right there, he looks like he's about to drink a martini with uh, Michelle Therrien and and uh, Mike Yell. Um, but it's uh, is it Mike? I always get his first name wrong. I believe so. I think it's Mike. Yeah, but I mean, th that those coaches right there are why why we're at the point, and same thing with Chuck Fletcher. So it's uh, it's great to see this, uh, and I, I'm just glad the Flyers are the talk of the town, and, and at least right now until the until the Eagles start. But even then, I think the the Flyers will still be playing. That's right. So definitely, let's get ready. Game seven, Saturday night, prime time. NHL hockey, the only game on, right? All the other series are, are going to wrap up tonight mm -hmm. with the game seven. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. Let's go Flyers. Go Flyers. All right. 
Let's switch over, Mike. You mentioned uh, the other big dog that's going to be uh, gearing up. I can't believe already that the first game of the NFL season is only pretty much a week away at this point. I, I don't know where. I don't know if it's the lack of, of training camp or preseason, really, but uh, we are one week away from NFL action, week one, playing the uh, Washington football team uh, to, to open up the season. But I think big news, and I'm not sure if we covered it in the last episode or not, I think the biggest development that's happened uh, with the Eagles, and we're in a miss now. I'm trying to follow Twitter for roster cuts and everything like that. So far, everything that's come through has kind of been what we've expected. But the big news uh, that's happened in the last week is Andre Dillard uh, ruptured a bicep, tore his bicep. Uh, and it, either way, he is done for the season, was actually placed on uh, season-ending injured reserve today. And because he was placed on IR before the final cuts, he is no chance of coming back. And I think with the the injury that he has, uh, there is not really a, a chance for him to uh, come back anyway. But the interesting thing is now what the Eagles do at left tackle. A few weeks back, they signed a former left tackle, I guess, uh, perennial pro bowler and future Hall of Famer Jason Peters. They slotted him over in at right guard. Now with the open spot at left tackle, the Eagles are going to start Matt Pryor at left tackle. Mike, why does this make sense? Oh, it makes sense because Jason Peters said in order to play left tackle, he wants to get paid like a left tackle, and he wants a little bit more money than the contract that he signed. Mike, what's your take on Jason Peters, and who do you see being the starting left tackle for the Eagles come next week? Not Jason Peters. Uh, I, I think he's closed that door at that point, asking for more money. I, I think the Eagles came out with a statement saying that um, I think we're paying him enough between incentives and other things that we don't have to set a precedent that someone gets hurt and his replacement now has to get paid more um, because that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I, I love Jason Peters. I told you I didn't want him back. I, I didn't want him back as a, as a right guard, to be honest with you um, at this point, but uh I thought what he said was absolutely asinine, and it, it showed that at this point he just wants the money. He's not going to be a team player. Um, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of glad he's not going to start at, at left tackle because I don't think he could do it anymore. Uh, I mean, he only does it like, what, 40% of the game anyway uh, because he, he, he decides, oh, this drive's not going anywhere. I'm going to go sit on the bench or, or I don't feel like playing this this down, so I'm just going to pretend I'm hurt and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think Matt Pryor will uh, start all year. Um, I, I think they're going to uh, – I mean, I guess they've already said that he is going to start. But uh, I'd like to see Mylotta out there. I'd like to see Jeff Driscoll out there. Is it Jeff Driscoll? Not Jeff Driscoll. That's, I think it's that's, Jack. That's the, that's the quarterback or something. Jeff Driscoll is the former quarterback <laughs> yeah, for the Jack. Bengals. I think it's Jack Driscoll, right, is the, yeah, yeah. the swing yeah, tackle. That is correct. But um, – yeah, I, I thought that was ridiculous. I know I've seen a lot of quotes out there by all the guy, all the reporters that love him. Yeah, he has all the right in the world to do that. But he doesn't. Nobody else has done that before in the entire league. Just because you got to play a different position means you got to get paid more. Get yeah, and, out of here with that. And, and, the, and the thing for me is, 
and I'll, I'll get into a little bit on why people aren't taking the player side and, and, and stuff like that. Cause that seemed to be the big deal on social media as well. But the thing that bothers me with it, does he have the right to ask for money? Yeah. I can go into my boss and ask for money too. You can go to your boss and ask for money. We, we all have the right to do it. I don't blame. I want to get paid as much as, as the next guy too. I think the thing that bothers me about it is when he was signed it was universally known that, okay, he's going to play right guard, and he's also going to be insurance for Andre Dillard. Because there was concern that, hey, maybe Andre Dillard just is not like, you know, a high-quality left tackle in the National Football League. So here's the insurance for Andre Dillard in case he doesn't work out. If that was literally the second sentence of every beat reporter's tweet or article that they wrote out, that this is a right guard but insurance for left tackle – then I definitely know that those conversations were had as part of the negotiations and the conversations that the Eagles had with Jason Peters. I don't think there is any way in the world that when they were negotiating the agreement that they had, that they didn't, the topic didn't come up of, Hey, we're going to put you at right guard, but if anything happens with Dillard, we're probably going to have you slide over to left tackle. There's not a doubt in my mind that that was part of, the conversation. So for Jason Peters to come out and say, well, I was signed to play right guard when knowing that that absolutely was part of the conversation or it wouldn't have been as widely kind of disseminated by the Eagles media that, well, this is insurance and, you know, go play right guard, but this is insurance for left tackle. So it comes across as disingenuous that now all of a sudden you're saying I signed to play right guard when I, I know that was part of the deal. So the contract that you signed, you damn well knew signing that deal that you were going to, uh, you know, there is the chance that you were going to play left tackle as well. And it does set a bad precedent because think about this team, Mike. You have Zach Ertz. So what happens? Is Zach Ertz then going to say he's part of a contract negotiation right now? Is Zach Ertz going to come out and say, well, I lined up wide this many snaps on the season. I want to be paid like a top end wide receiver as a part of a, as, instead of a, top end tight end that doesn't work think about the defense are you going to have your defensive tackles if Jim Schwartz decides to throw them on the end that they now want to be paid like a defensive end instead of a tackle or a safety that is covering the slot now wants to it it just doesn't happen in the NFL you play the you pay the player what you feel the player is worth understanding that there's versatility uh in the role so I, I do agree with the Eagles that it just sets bad precedent now, with all that being said, I don't know if I trust Matt Pryor to play left tackle, to be, to be quite honest with you. And Jason Peters may be their best option. I think we still have what's coming down with uh, roster cuts and everything like that, and hopefully a tackle frees up. But the free, the free agent market's pretty dry for a, a left tackle. And Mayalata and Pryor haven't looked great at left tackle in camp. I don't know if the Eagles really have an alternative here uh, other than it. So what I would propose is you, you mentioned it. He takes himself out of drives. Well, let's do an incentive-based deal where we'll give you a bonus for every snap that you end up playing at left tackle. I think he has that already. Does he have it? To, okay. I can guarantee. I, I think it's just snaps in general. It might not be for left guard, but I think you're or left tackle. I think you're right. I think that's what he has. And that's why the Eagles are saying, we don't have to pay you extra money. It's already in your contract for you to earn that extra money. Right. 
Because the last thing I want to do is pay him as a left tackle only to have any time he has cramps that he goes down and acts like he's been shot on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. the, guy, the guy sells injuries like there's – how many times have we thought, oh, my God, Jason Peters is, is done for the season and career. He could, he, he could be, you know, this could be the last we see Jason Peters only for him to come back out three drives later. Yeah. So I, I guess if, if you have to and, and Howie Roseman feels he's, his back's against the corner or, you know, maybe that, you know, Driscoll or Pryor or, or Prince, I keep calling him Peg Leg from our beer uh, episode. <laughs> Prince Tega. Uh, if one of them can't cut it at left tackle, maybe you try to structure some. Hey, we'll pay you when you actually play a snap at left tackle and nothing else. But I agree, it, it just sets a bad precedent. Think about Jim Schwartz's versatility on defense. Can you imagine paying everybody like a corner or a DN just because of the way Jim Schwartz wants to provide versatility uh, to the defense? Yeah. How many positions you. did uh, Sayamalu play the Super Bowl year? What did he play? He played tackle. He played guard. He played center. What's he got to get three different paychecks now? Like, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't. Just doesn't. I, 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 Jason Peters is. He's going to go in a Hall of Fame. He's going to wear an Eagles hat. He won a Super Bowl here, even though he didn't play in it, which is very unfortunate. Um, he has a Super Bowl ring. It says Philadelphia Eagles on it. And, and you know what? Awesome, great, but dude. If your team asks you to do something that's going to be in the best interest of the team, you got to do it. Like, yeah. If you're and going to be a team player and you're going to be a Hall of Fame player, like, that's not how a Hall of Fame player acts. Yeah. And I know, you know, certain me- me- uh, members of the media have come out and said, well, how do you fault the player? Why do, why do fans always take the side? Why are fans taking the side of ownership? He's just a – a guy trying to make more money in his job. But here, here's the thing with sports fandom, right? I think years ago, prior to free agency, yeah, I think there was more of a support for the players because they were there for the length of, you know, their careers. You know, mm-hmm. trades and everything were, were much, and free agency especially was not as common as it is. Well, it, it didn't exist years back. Yeah. And, and even trades were not as frequent as they are today. But, you know, Fans feel more connected to that name on the front, as they always say, more than the name on the back, right? Like it or not, Jeff Lurie has been the one constant in this organization for the last 20-plus years. You know, so he brought us the Super Bowl. We, we almost have to back them. There are very few players that I think gain the status of where fans – pick the player over the team, right? The one that for Eagles that comes to mind is, is Brian Dawkins, right? You have to be almost that level of player where, uh, yeah, then fans start to take the side of the player I- instead of the team. And we've seen that. Yeah. Firsthand. Hey, Jason Peters isn't Brian Dawkins loved in, in this, in this city. Close. Is, he, is he as high of, is he as great of a player? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, Jason Peters is going to be a Hall of Fame left tackle, just so like he's Brian a Dawkins. Hall. Of, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but Izzy is. Man, that's hard to say. Well, he's. He, I don't think he's, he's, he's at level. He's Dawkins level, but he's not as good as Dawkins ever was. Well, he and I think he's Maybe just not. Position. He's he's just not as adored. I think well, that's a fun as, conversation. <laughs> he, he's not as adored by the fans. You know, no, Brian Dawkins was the heart and soul of that defense, right? He, he was. He, he, was he the heart and soul more, of the team. 
Yeah. And, you know, Jason Peters was just a great damn back. good, great player at his position, but never yeah. just represented the team or represented the fans quite like thought. I think it's, it's something that's – I got a question for you. It, it's transcendental with, with certain players where – but otherwise, yeah, I'm going to take the side of the team. It's my team. It's, you know, Jason Peters is, you know, can come and go. Yeah, what's up, Mike? All right, here you go. So I'll give you three names. All and, right. And they're the, the three greatest tackles I've seen in my lifetime play in Eagles uniform. It's Trey Thomas, John Runyon, Jason Peters. Who are you taking? In what respect? Just who's the best? More loved by the, by the town. More loved? Yes. I would say John Runyon is probably yes. the most loved. That's all uh, you got to say. Jason, uh, Jason Peters is the best. The best. The yes. yes, yes, he is the best. But I, I even think Trey Thomas may be more loved than than, uh, than Jason. It might be really, really close with that. But uh, I mean, he's just not at the level of a Dawkins at a. Uh, Runyon, a uh, 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 Westbrook, uh, even a T.O. <laughs> People still love T.O. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and they, we, we were clamoring for him to sign back when the Eagles needed a, a, a wide receiver. Was it last year? I think they even did it this year. I mean, I still want the guy. He's like 67 years old or whatever he is now. I take him now. He can still run a good 40. So he, can, he can book. That's right. That's what we talked about it when he ran the 40 against, uh, against Ty Hill. Um, I mean, Jason Peters, yeah, great. I love him. Uh, he, he is probably top 10, but he's not top five. He's not a guy that can say, hey, give me more money. Because you know what, dude? You signed a contract. Play to the contract. If you don't want to play, retire. Just retire. Be done. I mean, if, if, that's, if that's what it is, whatever. I don't think the Eagles will back down from this one. I think they will stay true even though he's best friends with Jeff Lurie. I think if it would have happened, it would have happened by now um, because, you know, he, he has like Jeff Lurie tattooed on uh, his ass cheek and, and, and Jason Peters has Lurie on the opposite one so they, they can watch each other. But th- that's just kind of how it that's is. Some, that's some bad imagery. That is, that is some scary imagery there, Mike. I didn't really picture it in my head, but, you know, that's kind of how they, they make their friendship sound. They, they got tattoos of each other somewhere. Um, but if it hasn't happened now, it's not happening. I like to see those other three guys get a shot at left tackle at this point. I like to see what they have in my lot. Um, I like to see what they have in Matt Pryor, who I think is a pretty good, uh, pretty good player. And I, and I like to see Jeff Driscoll. Um, if he, I, I don't think he's getting cut. I think he'll be the 10th offensive lineman they carry, but, uh, I think those guys should get shots over Jason Peters at this point in his career. I mean, uh, people aren't going to like that. People aren't going to back Jason Peters. I, I see it on – it almost seems like it's like 70-30. Like they're 70, 70% back in the team, 30% back in the player. And, and I think that tells you all that you need to, to know. I mean, Jason Peters is a great player. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I, I bashed him almost every year because he just seems to always have that like – Injury that pops up for two series, and then then he comes back in and plays like a world beater. That just always frustrated me. And you know what? At this point, it's time to move on. Yeah, and I think hopefully this is the the wake up call to Howie Roseman and this organization that 
we need to find a long-term solution for, you know, for this left tackle position. If Andre Dillard is not it, you better come with a good swing tackle that can do it. We can't be keep relying. I, Jason Peters wants to play till he's 40. That's great. Maybe he can go join uh, Tampa Bay and, and the kind of the retirement community that they're uh, starting down with the Buccaneers uh, for the next couple of years. But I, uh, we got to figure out the depth situation here because even if we do put uh, Driscoll over there, Jack or Jeff over there at left tackle. Uh, if one of those guys get hurt, let's see a 16 game season, offensive linemen are going to get hurt. Like, Hey, if you have Matt Pryor over at left tackle, who's going to cover for Jason Peters when Jason Peters, you know, get shot on the field with leg cramps uh, at the right guard position. So uh, we do need to address depth on this offensive line hopefully these young guys can step up we were talking about the young defensemen for the flyers maybe we maybe we really need to see what these young uh, offensive linemen can do for the eagles anything else you wanted to cover yeah there was a name that i was trying to look up but when you're sharing sound on zoom if you open up a an app a uh, website, everything starts popping up. But if that name pops up again, I, I got to say he might have been on the Lions. I think it was the Lions. They could have been cutting – or maybe it was the Vikings. I, it was one of the teams in the NFC um, uh, North. Uh, they were cutting them. And, oh God, it might have even been the Bengals. It was one of the teams in that area um, that they that may have been cut. So that, that might be the name to look out for that they bring in. Um, but you know what? Um, it's nice to see. But uh, – we did have our fantasy draft, Tom. So let's. Uh, I got Christian McCaffrey with the first pick. So that was nice. Yeah. And you, you I think you're going to have the steal of the draft with um, uh, what's his name, the running back at the, in, at the Washington football team. Why is he just Gibson? Like, yeah. Gibson, Antonio yeah. Gibson. So yeah, with that surprise cut of AP, uh, what was it this morning, technically? Uh, yeah. Yesterday. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, that, that, that might end up being the, uh, the steal of the draft now. Yeah. Got him in the ninth round. Uh, didn't even have a sticker for him for the draft where I had, I had to write in his name, but now could be RB one for the, the Washington football team. But yeah, had our draft and I, I think you ended up with a, with a very good team. I, I like my team. I think I have some, uh, question marks at running back. Uh, I have some, High upside guys. Obviously, I took Saquon. I had the second pick. Took Saquon uh, second, but then Saquon. my other my uh, other running backs are Cam Akers for the Rams, who I think could be the RB one in that offense uh, by the end of the season, and hopefully he gets production that is close to, or at least opportunities. Maybe not production, but opportunities like what Gurley got uh, with that Rams offense, and then Antonio Gibson. So we'll see. I have some high, high upside guys there, but. Overall, uh, looking forward to football being back and, and yeah. beating you a couple times in fantasy football this season. Uh, maybe not. Unless you get me when uh, every year, guys, I have the worst running back situation. I usually have two pretty decent guys and then nobody. Uh, so this year I got uh, uh, what's it, Jonathan Taylor and uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then my backup was McCoy. I dropped McCoy. I picked up one of the backups from uh, down there in uh, Jacksonville. And then I dropped him and, and picked up uh, Josh Kelly. Um, 
the uh, the now number two back behind Cam Akers. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. I do like my uh, my wide receiver situation with Godwin, Galladay, uh, Metcalf, and Hardman and Rugs and Judy. Um, I do like that. Um, so yeah, I like my team this year. Um, usually I don't like it coming out of the uh, coming out of the draft, and I make like three trades before the season, but. I'll run with it this time, and we'll be sure to keep you guys up to date and tell you where we rank uh, amongst points and stuff like that throughout the year. Yeah, I make it a mission coming out of every fantasy. They absolutely hate my team no matter what. It's this way I don't get sucked into any one player, so it just makes me more ready to make trades and cuts. Uh, so I hate my team. I think my team could have a decent year, but I just hate them now because no, no player on, on that roster is – uh, beyond cutting or, or trading for me. No, no. I would trade anybody. On my Maybe team. Saquon. Maybe. But we'll I would see. probably trade McCaffrey if the right deal came, a, came about, but it'd probably have to be like a four for one kind of a deal. So I don't think that's going to happen. So I think he'll stick around. <laughs> hey, you might. Somebody might lose both of their running backs and need somebody and have to. Uh, we have a couple teams that are pretty stacked at wide receiver. Um, so that. That could that that could be something that that comes along and doesn't have the greatest running back. So we'll see. Um, that's that's not something I would want. I would want probably two two starting caliber running backs for him instead of wide receivers. So we'll see as the year goes along, Tom. That's right. All right. Anything else on NFL next week? Kicking off week one already. Hard to believe that uh, football Crazy. season is here. But. Yeah. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll transition over to another team that has started to get hot at the right time, and that's the Phillies. I think uh, we were close to writing the Phillies off in the last couple podcasts, but what has happened since then? Matt Clentak rebuilds the bullpen, essentially, essentially makes uh, a few trades to get in some fresh arms, and then we're getting Ranger Suarez also. So it was Embry, Workman, uh, Hale and who is the guy from the Brewers? Phelps. Uh, so definitely, uh, Michael boosted. Phelps, brother. It's not. It's not. I'm it's sure. not. It's not. But uh, <laughs> definitely uh, bolstered the bullpen, and I think it's just you know. And then Tommy Hunter came out and he you know kind of spoke up for the entire bullpen at the same time and said, "Hey, we just need to do better, and we will do better." And he's been kind of turned it around a little bit. So I think the Phillies now are sitting three He's down games. to seven, seven meals a day instead of, instead of nine Tommy Hunter. <laughs> hey, when you're, when you're a bull, remember, I still think the most hilarious thing is that about 20 years ago, bullpen pitchers used to come in on golf carts to, to the yeah. mound from the outfield. Yeah. They come a long way. Who's the guy that sprinted in and uh, JT just shook his head and said, Oh Jesus. For, yeah, from who was that? Oh, I can't remember. He was an older guy, though. But, yeah, they come a long way to, to just uh, riding on the – it was usually like a baseball-shaped golf cart, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. But, yeah, now the, uh, the Phillies are – you know, Bryce Harper came out a couple weeks ago and said the Phillies need to win uh, nine out of ten. They are pretty close. Uh, they did. To that. They did. So they are nine and one in their yeah. last ten games. So what's that mean? They are now sitting in a playoff spot uh, this yeah. year. Remember, the top two teams from each division will make the playoffs. So as it stands right now, uh, the Phillies have are now three games over five hundred, 
in a playoff spot, and we've seen uh, Reese Hoskins come back to life. He has been tearing the cover off the ball in uh, recent games. So things seem to finally be clicking for for the fight in Phils. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to see. It's exciting baseball now. Even the one game they lost, they got down, it was a 10 nothing very, very early and came back uh, to lose it um, 10 to 12. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they had ample opportunity to come back and win that game as well. They left a lot of men on, on, uh, on base, but uh, after last night's game, they, they brought JT out, which uh, I thought they were going to bring uh, Alec Bohm out um, to, to do the post game interview, but he said he wants the Phillies to win the next 10 games. So he's trying to one up Bryce Harper and, uh, and keep, keep this, uh, keep this ship rolling and everybody in top shape. But yeah, I mean, they are hitting. Reese is hitting. What's he hitting? Almost like 400 now since he hit his first home run. I know it's really high up there. I don't think it's 400, but it's at least mid threes um, he's hitting. Uh, Bryce and JT aren't hitting as well as uh, we would like them to, but Bryce did get two hits yesterday. JT smashed one off the wall, uh, which I thought was going to get out because I've been dying to see the sign JT um, celebration from Bryce Harper. Um, I haven't seen it in a couple weeks, but we'll see it. Uh, but, yeah, Tom, you, you hit it right on the nail. I think the biggest thing that has helped this team out is that uh, revamp of the bullpen. Um, it was It's awesome to see. I'll give Matt Clintech a lot of credit. You know, a couple weeks ago we put a poll out. We, were even t- we talked about it on the uh, pod. Who would you rather have, Ed Wade, Amaro Jr., or – uh, Clintac and we said Amaro Jr., but you know what? Clintac's trying to stay around, but Tom, he has one more. Well, now, in my opinion, he has two more big things to do uh, in order for me to kind of go over to Camp Clintac. Can, can you tell me both of those, Tom? Well, clearly, uh, it's signed JT. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's one. That's number it, one, two, three, and four, probably in everybody's book. But then I, I think the other one, and I think we both feel the same way about this player, it's uh, re-signing Didi Gregorius. Yeah, it, I, I think both of those players need to be here. Uh, maybe not sign Didi to a uh, 10-year contract, but I, I, I'd give him at least a three- or four-year deal at this point, Tom. Yeah, I agree. I think he, he definitely adds something to this. And it's amazing if you go on Twitter and you follow uh, – Didi always puts out a tweet – after the game, the one thing that I'm always amazed at is that the uh, slew of Yankees fans that reply to that tweet saying how much they miss uh, Didi Gregorius being a member of the Yankees. Uh, yeah. But I think he's definitely added, you know, a solid bat and some good defense to uh, this lineup. And, yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that we need to bring uh, Didi back. I, I think this lineup is just – formidable at this point and that's what we hope for and i think it's good that uh one player tom you you said that uh bryce and jt haven't been as hot recently but they're still putting in you know the 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 other guys around the lineup are still still uh, getting on base too still getting on yeah they're still getting on base and the other guys are are picking them up and and you know the, the lineup is really playing well and then the pitching i mean nola the other night was just absolutely dominant so if you got nola wheeler this lineup shaping up to be a, a pretty good uh stretch run we're in september i think yeah. they have uh 20 
27 games over 24 days or something like that left. So it's uh, a lot of games. Uh, you know, definitely they're, they're getting hot at the right time. Yeah. I mean, the, the only guy that seems to not hit is Kingery. Uh, he just he, – I don't even think if he fell out of an ocean liner, he'd hit water at this point. Uh, it's just it, – it's sad to see because I, I really had high hopes for him this year. But I'm not giving up on him yet. Uh, not not one bit. Uh, even even uh, Kutch. Kutch is coming through. He's, Jay Bruce is tearing the cover off the ball. Even uh, Maybe not Jason Knapp either. We'll just kind of skip over him. Uh, but but Dave – what did I call him, Jason? Yeah. I don't know where I'm getting these names from at this point, but Andrew Knapp and uh, where was I thinking Jason Knapp? Maybe Jason Kidd, like we'll talk about in a couple, a uh, couple, a uh, couple slides. I'm back in school mode now, Tom. We're talking about slides, um, but uh, yeah, Babe, he's looking good out there. Uh, Goslin and I, mean, I got to tell you, Jay, good thing Jay Bruce came back. Uh, what was it, the first game? I think he homered the first two games he came back. I mean, he, he's tearing to cover off the ball too, but. Um, it's a Gene Segura. He, he, he's still popping. It's, it's really nice to see right now. Yeah. And, and guess what? Even with Kingery struggling, the fact that you got Gene now uh, playing second, Alec Bohm over at third. I know we've talked about him on a couple episodes. He continues Monster. to just, Absolutely. and you know what? I think he is starting to even field the position a little bit better than when he first came up. Some of the plays that he made, the last couple games, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the Absolutely. defense that he was flashing a little uh, glove there, uh, playing the the third base uh, spot for the Phils. But you have Bum over a third, Didi short, Segura second. That that affords you the opportunity to kind of let uh you know the next Dustin Pedroia, uh, Scott Kingery, um, you know, kind of the right-handed Utley. Sit down and, and, and take a breather because then you got Hazley and Roman. He's on the DL, Roman. right? Already, who's that? Kingery. I think he's on the 10 day IL. He is on the 10 day IL at this point, but uh, Hazley and, the DL. Hazley and Quinn are uh holding down the yep, you know, the center field position. Quinn's still healthy, which you know, everything is pointing in the right direction right now for the fill. So, it's, did you hear that, Tom? Yeah, yeah knocking on knocking on wood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what? The one thing with with Quinn and I know, I, what's he? Twenty seven now. I can't believe I'm going to say it. I still consider him a young player because of all the injuries. But man, he still tried. He did. God bless him. He had a four hundred twenty nine foot home run a couple of days ago. He can't do that every at bat. I mean, the, he he swings. Sometimes I think his arms are going to fly off when he swings. He just needs to make contact. He can make a single into a double into a triple. He has that type of speed, but first he has to get on base. Uh, but he is doing it a little better now. But he's still overswinging a little too much for me. But yeah, the Phillies—they're they're fun to watch. It 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 was great. What, what did the uh, uh, what was the the tweet that uh, the Nationals put out? Philadelphia isn't as hard to beat as Philadelphians say it is. Uh, I think they were something like one game over five hundred. Um, since they entered the league a, a few years ago. And since has gone on to lose six straight to the Phillies with putting that uh, – their Twitter team putting that bulletin board material out there for the Phillies. And, uh, yeah, six straight wins over those Nationals. And it 
it uh, it, it warms my heart to see the Nationals eating their uh, eating some crow uh, with that tweet. I think uh, I think even freezing cold takes on Twitter has uh, tweeted that that was a freezing cold take at this point. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's great to see. It seems like they're raking. Even when they're losing, they're losing games and still uh, still hitting. Um, uh, and it's, uh, it's great to see. It's nice to have uh, right now two teams uh, pretty hot. Well, maybe the Flyers are now getting hot again um, and hopefully going to stay hot after tomorrow. And the Phillies making that playoff push and the Eagles starting. It's really nice to have our three professional sports teams. Uh, don't we have four teams, Tom? Yeah, we do. We we, we have four. Uh, well, no, well, maybe with uh. With are, you, are you referring to the Union and and how hot they are? Wow, they lost against the Columbus Crew too. So oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm referring to those Philadelphia seventy sucks. I mean seventy sixers um, up there that that uh, right now at least play in the Wells Fargo Center. In ten years, they might play on at that fancy new waterfront. Um, uh, stadium they have planned uh, but yeah it's it's nice to see the three teams that are playing right now um, at least have the talent to play right there I go again Tom I keep, I keep just banging on the Sixers I don't understand <laughs> I don't I don't understand what's going on but yeah it's nice to have the three teams that are playing right now um, and are going to play uh, again actually hitting on on some cylinders now Tom there you go and of course with the Sixers I think our last episode we were just patiently waiting for uh, the firing of, of Brett Brown, that did end up... Uh, within hours. Within hours. I think, you know, the very next day, a statement <laughs> was released that Brett Brown would no longer be the head coach of uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. So the Sixers are looking to uh, find a new head coach. And part of the search committee, I believe, is Elton Brand, Josh Harris, Joel Embiid, and uh, Ben Simmons. So... Interesting uh, hiring committee there to have your, your two players. But I guess if the idea is to keep uh, those two players, I, you know, I guess they're superstars. I, I think we can still expect more out of both of them. But um, they are definitely superstars in the NBA. But if, if the plan is to keep them two uh, with the team, obviously them having a say – in the hiring of the coach uh, probably makes some sense. Mike, any of the candidates out there, I know there is a name that is kind of leading the uh, the top of the leaderboard at this point for the position, but any of the names out there so far that has gotten your interest as who you would like to see be the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers? Not a single one, Tom. Yeah. Not a single one. And I know everybody has the pipe dream every year, Jay Wright and, I think we kind of shut that down right away. And, and then Jay Wright said, absolutely not. I'm very comfortable where I'm at. And everybody was, oh, Jay Wright, blah, blah. It's not going to happen, people. Just relax. But none of these candidates, especially the top one. Now, look, I know he's coached in three NBA finals. So, real quick, top candidate, really- top candidate, Ty Lue, uh, former Cleveland Cavaliers coach, is reported to be the front runner for the Philadelphia 76ers head coach position. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Yeah. But did, did he really coach in three NBA finals, Tom? Or was he just the, the head coach in name? So I, I still think to this point that LeBron is the coach at all points. He, he, he seems to be that guy that just kind of 
he runs the he runs the deal. It's just the head coach is like a figurehead. So I don't really count those as Ty Lue coaching in the NBA Finals. And I certainly don't want him coaching the uh, the Sixers at this point. Um, is Jason Kidd is is he up there at any at any point? I don't want him here either. Yeah, Jason Kidd has been reported. Ty Lue, uh, you know, Dawn Staley. I, I mean, at least you're – I'll take that. Give me Dawn Staley. You're kind of breaking the wheel at a little bit at that point. I mean, it, it's an interesting uh, name to be uh, out there. But Sign me I, up. You know, I'm kind of hoping – you know, Mike D'Antoni, I've heard names of him. But That'd be cool. He, he's he's making advanced. a return, technically. Yeah, so there, I know he's uh, – Josh Harris is a big uh, Mike D'Antoni guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – I think maybe that name would that might hurt some feelings out there though, Tom. Heated up a little bit more if if the Rockets lost to the Thunder in the uh, in the opening round, but Houston's going to continue on to round two. Um, you, know, you know what I would like to see, Tom? I would like to see what the Brooklyn Nets just did. They 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 got Steve Nash as their head coach. He's never had head coaching position uh, uh, experience before, but if anybody can do it, Steve Nash can probably do it. I like to see him do something like that. Just pick somebody up out of the blue that nobody else is thinking about, and he's our head coach now. Yeah, not, not like a Gabe Kapler kind of kind well, of thing, though. Well, I I think the model works, right? So I, I you know so the point guard I think is always the most intelligent person on the court in terms of understanding where players need basketball to be in place. Yeah. Basketball intelligence, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, it makes a lot of sense that you have, you know, a, a point guard that then transitions into to that coaching role. I think just with the candidates that um, are out there, you know, it happened for Ty Lue, happened for Jason Kidd. I just don't think Derek Fisher, Derek Fisher, they've yeah, a lot they've, of names. they've made the results uh, work for them. Jason Kidd was yeah. was not a, a great coach. Ty Lue, I think, is better than Jason Kidd. Um, Steve Kerr. I mean, it worked with him yeah. too, right? So um, Mark Jackson. Too. Mark Jackson. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that that can work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think with the candidates that are interested in the Phillies it, it, or the Sixers, rather, it's just something that feels uh, like a bunch of retreads. Hasn't worked uh, to me, in, in my opinion. I think yeah. yes, Ty Lue won a won a championship, but I think we all know kind of now. You could say one of the things that I've heard is the benefit of Ty Lue as well. He demonstrated that he can get multiple uh, high personalities when you have Kevin Love, LeBron James. Who was the other third kind of – Kyrie. Kyrie, big names that were on that team. He got them all kind of in sync and, and playing. Okay, maybe there's a psychological aspect to it. Um, th- that could potentially work. But I guess, I, I mean, he did play with Kobe and Shaq. So, yeah, I mean, I guess he, he well, maybe, but I'm not talking myself into him because I don't want no. to. He I, might be a great coach down the road, but give me somebody new. And I'm sure there's somebody I know Jay Wright has kind of turned it down. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure there is somebody else in the college ranks that would love the opportunity to uh, like look at Brad Stevens with the Celtics coming over from, you know, from Butler. I, I there's probably somebody like that. Um, that Dawn Staley, just as a family. Hey, maybe it is Dawn Staley. I'd be, I'd be good with that. Hey, try I, that would be the coolest thing ever. Trying something. So, definitely yeah. an accomplished coach. Philly girl. Yeah, Philly girl. I think uh, yeah. has coached Temple. Has coached now is at South Carolina, I believe. Yep. Uh, coached, coached the U.S. women's team. So definitely an. Accomplished... Are they called the Gamecocks as the women's team? I believe so. Women's All lady right. Gamecocks. 
Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Good question. Um, but uh, definitely accomplished. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I'd be I'd That would be, be really that. cool. I would love to see if it would work. That, that, would, be, that would be awesome, yeah. But, but it's going to be Ty Lue. And then, Mike, question for yeah. you. The over-under on the number of questions that Ty Lue receives in his introductory press conference before a Philadelphia reporter brings up being stepped over by Allen Iverson. Well, I believe Allen Iverson will be at that opening game press conference, and they will reenact it. But All Ty, right. Ty Lue will be stepping over a cardboard cutout of, uh, of uh, Brett Brown. How about that? <laughs> there you go. I just, I just wonder if there's any, like, you know, if you look at the Eagles training complex, like the Novacare and everything, there's pictures of, like, oh, there has to be uh, somewhere, right? images in Eagles history. I'm just wondering at the Sixers facility, is there a picture of – Allen Iverson stepping over Ty Lue. And then what's Ty Lue's reaction when he's now the coach of that team and he looks at this picture of being stepped over by Allen Iverson? Oh, I, That's what I want to know. There has to be a mural or at least a picture of it somewhere. Like the Eagles – I don't know if anybody listening has been in the Novacare Center, but they have like a, a long hallway that has like – even the Eagle Stadium has, has, has things like that that just have pictures and murals up on the wall. I, I can definitely see something like that. Even, even that or somebody – Somebody that works there in the front office has to have a picture of it in their office or something. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but he'll definitely be asked. I, I, I won't give you an over-under on, on numbers, on, on how many times. I'll give you an over-under six minutes and 23 seconds. Okay. Into the press conference. So I was Into saying the not, questions part of the conference. I was, okay. I was saying not number of questions, but um, – does, how many times does he get asked? But what question will it take for it to finally come up? Oh, I'm, what number? I, I'm, I'm thinking it's the, the third question, Max. Okay. okay. That could be right? six and a half minutes in. Yeah. Third, third question, Max, is he's asked about, how does it feel to come to an organization where obviously, you know, Sixers fans know you as uh, the Allen Iverson, you know, some so over under three and a half, you're going under. I'm going under three and a half. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll I'll go over just to say we're going over. Just but. to play both sides. All right. Yeah. He's uh yeah he's definitely going to be the guy. I think there's no ifs ands or buts about it at this point. I think it's only a matter of probably getting the numbers ironed out. But I'm I'm putting it on record. I do not want Tyloo as the next coach as the Philadelphia of the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm I'm with you. Is that all our 76ers talk? I think that's it. Other than that, I don't know if you wanted to talk uh, Jimmy Butler a little bit, former oh, Philadelphia yeah. 76er. So, a couple tidbits. Obviously, I think – Greatest uh, player of all time. The Miami Heat are now two games up on the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that Miami Heat team can make it to the finals. Uh, they even got a shot this year. That team was playing uh, pretty well prior to the bubble. They, they, they just can shoot. Uh, and, and Jimmy Butler, obviously, I love Jimmy Butler on the Sixers. And I think somebody else that uh, loved Jimmy Butler was uh, Joel Embiid. And you saw some of the, the tweets that he put out about how, you know, he's too good. And if, you know, I think were the two tweets. And, you know, I still think imagining a situation where uh, Jimmy Butler was on the Sixers. I, I still agree that that was the, the right move that the Sixers uh, should have made was sign Jimmy to the max deal. And, Yep, and not um, Tobias Harris. Uh, and if Simmons has a problem with it, I think you you need to figure out how to make it work. And if Brett Brown has a problem with it, well, then you find a new coach who who can make it work. I think 
you know, the fact that Brett Brown was saying things even last season, I, I don't know how to get these guys all playing together and get the ball in everybody's head, you know. I think it, that's it, the it, point it, where I wanted them fired. When he said it's that. more what, what could have been, right? I think Joel oh, yeah. he'd actually had it right, like if, if Jimmy Butler um, was on this thing. But real quick, Mike, I want to bring up something that uh, Jimmy Butler did that, you know, I think talks to how laser focused he is in all these playoffs, but kind of a kind of a creep move in the sense that uh, now with the second round, players are allowed to start bringing their families down to uh, the bubble inside Disney World. Uh, Jimmy Butler opted not to bring his family to Disney World with the idea being that taking a book out of Mike Milbury, not bringing the distractions down, huh? Well, that's what he said. He said, this, this is a business trip. I'm not here for family. This is a business trip. Mike, how can you not bring your kids to Disney World, man? That is, that is all-time low. Seriously, yeah. I, I, I could, if I was playing in the NBA, I, I know we were all trying to bring our kids uh, this year to, to Disney World while they're still young and kind of enjoy it. Um, he would be down there in a heartbeat with me. Um, I got to tell you, I, I know it's a business trip with quotes around it, but you're still playing a game and getting paid for it. The least you can do is bring your family down and enjoy it with them. Um, I, I know that's probably why I'm sitting and doing on a couch in Delco and well, maybe not playing in the NBA, but playing in any of the other sports, but uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty low of him not to, not to bring him down. And you know what? I didn't, I, I forgot that, that they could do that when I see – I forget whose kid they kept showing on the sideline and, and mom was sitting there rocking them. I'm like, what? How, why are there kids there? I thought this was a bubble. I, I didn't think people were allowed. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, in the second round, they can bring, they can bring their, their spouses and daughters and sons if they have any. But, yeah, um, that's kind of odd. But, but like you're right, uh, you're, you are right. We talked about it before. Um, Jimmy Butler should have been a 76er this year, still wearing uh, 23. He was wearing 23, right? I think it was 23. Yeah. Yeah, he was 23, right? Because yeah. Joel's 21, Simmons is 25, right? So he was right in there. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that, that, it would have been a completely different team. Uh, maybe not with Brett Brown because he, he didn't know how to get anybody to ball, but. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him in the uh, Sixers uniform this year and Tobias Harris maybe sitting sitting down there at Miami or something like that. But, uh, yeah, kind of a creep move and kind of a uh, another bad move by the uh, Sixers front office all in one there. There you go. All right, that's enough Sixers, I think, for this episode, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back in future episodes and as the Sixers finally make an announcement on the coach. Uh, and hopefully I think some greater organizational changes that need to be happening with that front office as well. All right. Is it that time, Tom? I think it's that time, Mike. All righty. There we go. Every week, my favorite. Maybe not this week, because I, I got to tell you, I have no idea what my, uh, what my bets were last week. But uh, as we bring to you guys every week, we have our bet segment um, for for this week. Like I said, I have no idea what my bets were a couple weeks ago. Um, I know I had my story of uh, getting out of DraftKings and moving over to FanDuel. So I don't think I did a single bet in the last two weeks, to be honest with you. 
I just uh, I haven't really been feeling anything lately. Um, but this week, I definitely have a couple bets for you out there. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with my bets right away. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, Tour Championship, uh, the U.S. Tour, U.S. Uh, PGA Tour. I'm going to go with a couple bets here. I'm going to go with uh, probably $5 on Dustin Johnson. Um, he's minus, or he's plus 200 right now um, to win it. I'm going to go with uh, $5 on him to win. Uh, I'm going to go with probably $5 on John Rahm uh, as well. He's plus uh, 310. And then I'm going to throw uh, a couple bucks on uh, Bryson DeChambeau at plus 2700 to win the PGA Tour Championship. Um, so those are my three bets uh, for golf. I know we've never really talked golf and betting golf on here, but I wanted to to go ahead and throw that one on there. And guys, I, I think you know where I'm going with my uh, final bet uh, of the week, and that's tomorrow at 7:30, Game Seven, Flyers Islanders. I got the Flyers money line plus 120. I'm putting 100 bucks down on them to win. Um, I feel very strongly with this one, and I literally am putting uh, big money, probably my largest bet since the Eagles Super Bowl, down on anything. Um, I will put uh, 100 bucks on the Flyers to go ahead and, uh, and beat the Islanders tomorrow in Game 7 and go on to face the Tampa Bay Lightning that Tom actually said that they would play. Yep, so how, how, much, uh, how much are you putting down on that Flyers? Hundred bucks, Tom. Uh, that's a big one. Hey, we got that bet for them to to uh, make the Stanley Cup Finals and then also to uh, you know win the championship. So you know, yep. doubling down, you got to do it. Um, yeah. So my my big bet from last week was I picked the Islanders to uh, win that series, and they did. I cashed that. That's the only one I can recall. I think I was a little bit uh, timid on my picks um, last week as well. But a couple things I'm thinking through. Uh, for this week, obviously the top one, Mike, I know you're not DraftKings anymore, but uh, maybe you might want to go back in a little bit just to take a little bit of free money from them because they have a promotion right now. Uh, it is the Kansas City Chiefs plus 101 points, and they're giving you minus 110 odds. It's a max bet of 50, uh, So, but if you bet 50, you'll win 45 bucks, and you get the Chiefs for their Thursday night game against the Texans plus 101 points. There is no way in hell that the Houston Texans are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs by 102 points. So this is free money. So I would recommend if you don't have a DraftKings account or, you know, we, we talked about it, I think, a few weeks back with the Lakers-Clippers game when the NBA started up the bubble. Uh, it, it's one of those bets that just can't lose. So I'm max betting that one. I encourage you to do the same. Uh, DraftKings just giving away free money. So, Mike, I know you're anti-DraftKings, uh, but maybe throw on a deposit, take some $45 off them, and, uh, and see if you can pull it out. I think it is paid out as cash and not as a slight credit. So uh, I think you can bet it and then pull the, pull the money out. A uh, couple games I'm looking at, obviously, I, I'm with you on the Flyers, but I – bet the Colorado Avalanche to also make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They find themselves in a very similar predicament as the Flyers. They were down 3-1 and now, of course, a game seven. They are the favorites in that game, but I do like the Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to bet them on the money line to win this game seven. I think uh, 
they're kind of down a little bit after losing their goalie, uh, and I think they've started to pick it up in the last couple games. I think it's going to be another uh, high-scoring uh, affair. So if you're interested, maybe the uh, over-under is 6.5. It is a little bit higher, but the over is plus 105. I still want to think on that a little bit. But Colorado Avalanche today, 4 o'clock, minus 125 odds. I'm betting the Colorado Avalanche on the uh, money line there. I also like the in the NBA uh, that we just talked about the Miami Heat. I do think uh, the Miami Heat are uh, playing very well, but the Milwaukee Bucks find themselves down 2-0 in the series. I think they have a bounce-back game. I'm going to take uh, the Milwaukee Bucks minus the five points uh, to get the win over the Heat in game three of that series. So I'm doing the big bet promotion that DraftKings has. Chiefs plus 101 points. I'm max betting that thing. I'm taking my free 45 bucks there. And then I like the Colorado Avalanche on the money line, and I'm taking the uh, Milwaukee Bucks minus five uh, against the Heat. Uh, so – I'm also going to kind of piggyback on you with the uh, with the Bucks winning, and I'm also going to do a uh, a little bit of a same game parlay as well to give me a little bit more uh, value. I'm going to go a same game parlay uh, for Giannis Antetokounmpo um, to get over 30.5 points. Uh, so if you put those two together, the box the box the Bucks to get a uh, minus five um, over the uh, Miami heat plus the over on uh, Giannis's points, you get plus two twenty four. So I'm going to go ahead and throw a, a $10 bet on that one as well. Cause I do feel kind of strongly as well um, that the, uh, the Bucks are going to, uh, to get a win. Um, I don't think they're out of that series, but the heat are looking very, uh, very formidable uh, for sure. I'm also going to uh, piggyback you on the Avalanche. I forgot those two games were tonight. Um, I'm going to go with the Avalanche, and I'm also going to go with the Canucks. I'm going to go with um, all three teams that were down three games. Oh, no, the Knights. Yeah, all three teams were down three games to one, right? Yep. Yeah, so all three teams that were down three games to one to come back and win game seven. That's bubble uh, hockey, baby. That is bubble hockey if I've ever seen it. <laughs> that is some uh, crazy, crazy stuff. So I am going to go ahead and uh, and put uh, – I'm actually going to put a $10 wager on uh, on a three-team parlay and then $5 on each of those teams um, to go ahead and uh, advance to the next, uh, next round of the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, a couple – lots of bets over there. We kind of overlap each other on a lot of them. Um, I, I put out the U.S. Open in there as well. So, guys, that's, uh, that's this week in, in betting, Tom. How, how do you like our bets this week? I'm feeling good. I, I haven't bet golf before. Maybe I'll take a, a little bit of action on the, on the tour uh, this weekend as well. So, uh, I don't know if I have any picks. I want to I do a little research, but maybe, maybe I'll follow you on, on some of those golf picks. All right. I like it, Tom. Well, I don't have the beer song queued up. I was trying to queue it up, but you know what? We can get to the beer segment All right. uh, <laughs> for this one. I don't know if you heard me trying to queue it up or not, but uh, I was definitely trying to, to get it queued up there. But I don't have it ready for, for this week. But uh, 
Let's go ahead and get into our. Well, here we go. How about I'll talk. I'll talk my beer, and then we can we can conclude with the beer song for your choice. You told me you have a uh, quite a good one uh, picked out for this pod. I mean, I I can start it right now where where it's at, and just just hope it sounds good for for this week. So you know what? Let's <laughs> drinking beer. I'm pretty good. Drinking beer. So hand me one more. That's what I'm here for. I'm built for having a ball. I love the nightlife. I love my Bud Light. I like them cold and tall. Guys, I had it almost pretty, pretty much perfect. By this point, I should have it uh, pretty, pretty well uh, uh, lined up there. But uh, guys, this week in beer, Tom said um, I have a special one, so I'm going to let Tom go first, uh, like he said. So, Tom, let's uh, let's hear your beer choice for. for yeah. So my pick for this week is the beer that I was drinking uh, last night during Game Six. It's from Yards Brewing, and it's. The Big Hazy 13. That's right. Uh, Yards Brewing did a hazy IPA after Kevin Hayes for the Flyers. What a great way. Hazy got the scoring started with the first goal of the game. And I'll tell you, it is hazy. It is a very hazy double New England IPA. Great fruit flavor. Uh, 8.7 alcohol. So it's definitely a a stronger one. And I think the one, the thing that I'm, uh, most excited about Mike is that I still have a couple cold ones left in the fridge and I'm going to be able to enjoy one for game seven tonight. I was kind of hoping that uh, what I had was, was able to last me through the flyers. And I'm still hoping that I can pick up another four pack uh, to get ready for that uh, conference, Eastern conference finals against the Bolts. So Mike, big hazy 13 from yards brewing uh, Imperial double new England IPA style. Uh, so what's your pick for this week? So Tom, that, that is a great beer. And you know what? I'm glad they made a beer because every time Hazy scores, the Flyers are 20-0-2 uh, regular season and, and postseason when he scores. So it's a very, very important guy out there on the ice and very worthy of a beer. So, so guys, as we know, I think I might have talked about it last episode. I'm, I'm a big pumpkin guy. I, I love pumpkin pretty much anything. Um, what I do like is pumpkin beer, guys. Uh, a lot of pumpkin beers have been coming out this week, and there's, there's one pumpkin beer uh, that it's, it, I think it's a yearly release, uh, but it's one that I've never had, and I never really have seen it anywhere. Uh, so, so I'm talking about the Voodoo Ranger, um, Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin, but not the special release, guys. I'm talking the spicy release. I like a spicy beer. I like a little bit of spice every once in a while. I've never had the spice with the pumpkin. So, guys, I finally got it. I got Voodoo Ranger Spicy Atomic Pumpkin. It has great pumpkin flavor. Um, it also has that, that nice spice. It, it's not like you're going to drink it and, and you, you gotta, you gotta have a glass of milk next to you. Uh, I know that habanero, uh, kind of scares a lot of people away, but it, it's really just like a, a, a slow burn. Once it gets to the back of your throat, it is a very good beer. Uh, I recommend it. If you're a pumpkin fan, I recommend it. If you're a spicy beer fan, I know we've talked about spicy beers here 
um, on, on accounts from Delco podcast before, and this is up there with some of my favorite ones. So, so this year, um, I win, uh, a little bit spicy. I know last week for the draft last Friday, um, I also had a pumpkin beer. I had, uh, uh, nightmare on, on Elm street, I think it's called from a Conchi brewing uh, company. Uh, that was a very, very good, uh, pumpkin beer as well. Uh, but this one, even though it's only my second pumpkin beer I've had this uh, season, this is now my favorite pumpkin beer this season. Uh, and I'm sure that'll change every time I have one from here on out. So Atomic Pumpkin, not special, not special, not special, but spicy, Tom. I like it. I, I, spicy Pumpkin is not one that I have had in the past, so I will definitely have to uh, try and check that out. I also like a little bit of heat with the beer. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely adds a – a complex flavor. So then doing that with the pumpkin, I bet you that's a, that's a good one. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's pretty, pretty tasty. I, I enjoy it. Enjoy it a lot. I got five more sitting in the refrigerator. I'll have a couple tonight and save the rest for tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow's flyers game. I also found beers. I even forgot I had like the Southern tier orange creamsicle beer. So that was nice that I found that in the back of the refrigerator. <laughs> well, there you go. And I know uh, it is starting to be pumpkin beer season. I also have a pretty good uh, pumpkin beer that maybe I'll, I'll do for next week's episode. Uh, I wanted to get out the, the big hazy uh, yeah. this week, but I, I have a pretty good uh, pumpkin one that I'll talk about next week as well. Awesome. Good. Do you have any uh, barbecue stories over the past week? Uh, no, nothing this week. It's been uh, quiet on the smoker. So I'm uh so I, I've been pretty quiet on the smoker too. Uh, I already made wings for that for the uh, the draft last week, which were very good, week. by the way. Very good. Thank you, thank you. But um, I I found a new way to make my wings, and uh, it, it's called uh, from Dizzy Pig. Uh, it's called Fajita Ish. Um, they make some awesome wings. It was the best wings I've ever had. Uh, I had a box of, uh, not a box, I had a container of the, uh, of the jumbo wings uh, waiting for me. I saved them because I wanted to try them. Uh, so they were very good, but, but that's not my barbecue story for this week. Uh, this week, I, I also went back to Dizzy Pig. I, I, I had an order from them. I ordered about 10 or 11 rubs um, to go ahead and try out because I really like the fajita-ish. Uh, my favorite one that I've had from them, and uh, it kind of goes with my theme of spice, is their ghost pepper rub. Man, does that pack some heat. It has some, it, not some flavor, it has a ton of flavor. It is very good. I cannot wait to make wings with it. Uh, I'm not sure everybody else will enjoy them, but I love a spicy wing. I love a spicy dry rub. Every time I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, I get the desert heat, which I think is their Thinks that that's their hottest dry rub, so it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, so this week in barbecue is my uh, my new rubs from from Dizzy Pig down there in Virginia. And you know what? They ship so quick. I ordered them. I want to say I ordered them Tuesday, and they came uh, yesterday. Wow! All right, so, <laughs> that was that, super that was amazing, fast, especially yeah. with. Uh, Everything with the, the mail is definitely uh, slowed up. Amazon Prime is now like six-day shipping. So yeah. two days is uh, definitely impressive. Yep, absolutely. So that's my, that's my barbecue take for this week. Next week I'll have a big one. I'll be doing some briskets and stuff for, for my son's party. So. Oh, very nice. All right. We'll be doing, we'll be doing good. 
All right. Anything else we want to cover for this week's episode, Mike? No, nah, I think that's it. I'm sure something's slipping our minds, but we'll be back next week. I know we took a little bit of a uh, a two week uh, two week break. I think we had. Um, so uh, we'll be back next week with a regular episode, and we'll we'll kind of catch up on uh, on what we missed. Uh, so, Mike, one big story, and I know this is going to hurt your heart. And you know what? Next week, I do want to get into uh, the Amazon Prime special on the All or Nothing with the Tottenham Hotspur. So we'll, we'll I haven't it. watched it yet. I'll have to watch it this I, week. I've, I've watched two of the three episodes that are released, and I think they're releasing a couple more uh, this weekend. But uh, breaking news, I guess, came out uh, just a few minutes ago while we were doing the pod is that um, Lionel Messi will not be leaving uh, Barcelona uh, this year. I know there's a lot of talk that he was leaving and there's complications with the $700 million release clause and potentially going to your, uh, your Man City team. But it looks like uh, he feels that he is uh, hemmed in there at Barcelona and will at least probably play out this season and then probably looking to uh, be gone from Barcelona after this year. So th- this is what I'll – now we're not editing the pod, all right? You ready? So – this is where I think Barcelona is really going to kick themselves in the ass. All right, you're ready. So, Messi's deal ends at the end of this football year, end of this La Liga season. Ends. It is done. He has no contract. That means in January, when players are ending their contract in June, they can start talking with any team. Doesn't have to be City. Could be any team in the world, and now leave on a free transfer. And that's what's going to happen with Messi. I think Barcelona are absolutely ridiculous, not taking anything they can get. City were willing to offer upwards of $200 million, plus Gabriel Jesus, plus Eric Garcia, and plus maybe one other player. And they don't even want to talk because they want the $700 million that is due for a 33-year-old superstar pro player, obviously, is the greatest player that maybe has ever lived. Um, I just think Barca is missing, missing the, uh, the boat on this one. Uh, now, hey, maybe Messi does stay there uh, and he does, uh, does resign. But at this point, it looks like he's kind of burning his bridges with Barca. He wants to leave in the worst way. Um, the last couple of days I've been following these news uh, releases. It seems like every hour it kind of changes. But, but now that Messi has actually come out and said that he will stay until the end of his contract, which means he is leaving on a free transfer next year. Um, uh, it's been very weird to me. It's It's been a crazy divorce between a club that he's been at literally his entire life. Uh, well, his entire professional life. So I, 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 I get where Barca is saying he wants, uh, they, they want Messi to stay a part of Ronald Koeman's uh, regime there in Barcelona, but Messi's smart enough that he knows that, that Ronald Koeman's regime in Barcelona is going to take a little longer to be better uh, than the rest of the Barcelona team that he was at. Because uh, other news today, uh, Luis Suarez, their, their top striker um, for Barcelona, has now agreed to go to Juventus. Um, I, I, I know Pjanic has signed at Barcelona, but he's an older player. Uh, a couple other players from Barcelona look like they're on their way out, like Ivan Rakitic and, and uh, Gerard Piquet and a couple other players are probably going to be on their way out. And, and now that means younger players have to step up, and that means it's now a rebuild. So Barcelona might not be the Barcelona of, uh, of old for the next three, four, maybe even five years. 
Um, and, and and that's where I understand where Barca is coming from with this. Barca want the seven hundred million dollars so they can go out and sign players um, and, and bring players in to make this rebuild quicker. But now I think they're missing the boat with Messi and and Messi actually agreeing to uh, to play for just this year and then potentially leaving at the end on a free transfer. Yeah, because I, I see no way. I don't know if there's a hope or a desire that they can convince him over the next year to stay. I, I don't think that's realistic. So to turn away $200 million plus three players, uh, which would be a long way to helping that rebuild. As you Absolutely. said, we're, we're probably not going to see the Barca of, of old, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they are going through a change. So what better way to kind of kick off your rebuild than – 200 million in the bank and three, you know, high quality players uh, that can definitely get uh, the rebuild on the, the right foot. But yeah, I, I, the only thing I can think they hope is or that on the left up, foot. If you're talking about Messi, there you go. Uh, <laughs> the, the only thing I think they can hope is that he, he agrees and they're able to mend fences and he, he yeah, signs back. I, I don't, you know, that, that's a, I mean, that's you're, you're you placing, did. you're placing an over $200 million bet there. Um, that uh, even his comments that came out today, I was reading a little bit of it. It doesn't seem like he's, he, he's going to have a same professional attitude and give it his all, but it doesn't seem like he is. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to go out there and ball out, but his, his heart's not there. So nope. no, his, his first thing is my heart has left Barcelona. And not that that means he's fallen out of love with the club. I mean, the, He's made hundreds upon hundreds of million dollars for playing at that club throughout his career. But, you know, yep. it, it, it's just something that that I just don't know. I understand where Barca is coming from. And then on the other other hand, I have no idea where they're coming from because it's it's it, to me, it's crazy not to not to negotiate with someone um, right now and get some type of monetary compensation and player compensation for a player who is going to leave, uh, well, not, not leave, but in four, three months time, start talking with another team and then leave on a free transfer. It, it, it's just a, it's a crazy proposition that Barca's uh, going on right now, but I, I, I think they're under counsel of La Liga. Uh, La Liga has lost uh, Ronaldo. Um, and now, now they're going to lose Leo Messi. Who's going to watch El Clasico now? Who, who, what do I want to say? I want to see Gareth Bale play against uh, – uh, what, uh, what's the, the new guy they, they have? Uh, Usman Dembele. That, that does nothing for me. I, I watch better players play uh, when uh, Bournemouth – well, Bournemouth isn't in the, in the top fly. I'll watch better players when Leeds play uh, Newcastle United on, on Saturday. I, I don't need to stay up and, and watch El Clasico anymore for that. So – that's that's probably where La Liga is coming out, stepping in here, because La Liga really has no say whether uh, Messi stays or leaves. But but I think they're really trying to push um, push Barca into signing him long term. But looks like it's not going to happen, Tom. Yeah. So we'll see how that situation continues to play out uh, over this season. Any other Spurs transfer news? Uh, no, so they they uh, got Doherty, uh, the right back from the Wolves. I think uh, mm-hmm. which I think is a good uh, my, a good my signing. Other, my other Spurs fan, uh, Franny, he called him the uh, the Irish Philip Lom, which I don't see. But you know what? 
have fun with them. <laughs> hey, I, you know, they definitely, I think anything would be an upgrade at, at the right back position than what they, they had. I'd Surge. That's where City is right now with their left back position too. <laughs> Surge just didn't, uh, you know, didn't do a great job, um, you know, playing right back uh, for this team. No. And they're incredibly thin. So at least uh, Doherty from, uh, I think, has uh, started more games than, than everyone at right back except uh, – Arnold from uh, Liverpool. Yep. Uh, so, you know, definitely very well accomplished. And I think Glaze fits well in uh, Josie Mourinho's uh, system. So I, I think it'll be a good signing, not, you know, star studded or anything like that, but a very solid player, 28 years old. Uh, so he'll be here for a couple of years. So with uh, Doherty and, and Hoysberg, I, I think uh, at least the last two transfer windows, they're certainly backing uh, Mourinho more than they did uh, Pochettino. Uh, the last couple of years. So uh, yeah, for sure. Encouraging. And, and I think, uh, you know, the way they finished the season and, and adding some, some help should be a good season for the Spurs. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty happy so far with, with city's transfer window, bringing in Nathan Ake and Fernand Torres, um, who, who absolutely outplayed uh, Leroy Sané um, this past weekend, but that's neither here nor there. Cause I still love Leroy Sané because now he plays for, for uh for Bayern Munich, so he's still uh, still in my family of teams that I that I do uh, support. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Seems like the Koulibaly deal is kind of stalled um, with this all, all this messy stuff coming out. With uh, the only team that he will sign with will be City, so I think uh, City had their sights on Messi. Uh, but now they'll probably turn him back towards Koulibaly, but. Um, he might not be the only center back they have their sights on. They're looking at a couple guys in uh, in La Liga as well, one being Diego Carlos um, from uh, uh, Sevilla, I believe. So uh, there, there's a couple names out there to look at other than Koulibaly. Um, I, I, for one, would like to see Koulibaly come in. I know he's 29 years old, but he's a rock at the back and uh, with Laporte and Koulibaly back there and, and Nathan Ake possibly playing left back uh, this year um, under Pep and sometimes holding midfielder uh, will be uh, will be a sight to see, um, but the defense will look a lot better this year. So I'll, uh, I'll be happy with that. And that's coming up very soon too. That's only like two weeks away, Tom. So we got, got a lot of things going on yeah. over the next couple of weeks. It just seemed like the soccer season ended and now we're, uh, we're gearing back up. That's cause it did <laughs> literally. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Back to the Prem and everybody else starting back up again. Sounds good. All right, so I think that covers everything uh, for this week. As always, check us out on social media. We have the Facebook page, On a Couch and Delco, uh, on Facebook. And then don't forget, uh, we're also on Twitter, at On Delco. Definitely interact with us there. Uh, don't forget to, you know, like us on, you know, uh, podcast, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. Where else are we, Mike? Everywhere Literally but tuned in. Everywhere but tuned in. Everywhere but tuned in. You can catch on a couch in Paco. Uh, on a couch in Delco. Paco. So Where's that? Paco. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long podcast today, it's guys. Been, it's been a long episode. But uh, <laughs> definitely give it. Hit us up with the five star reviews. That helps get the the podcast yep. out there and aware of everybody. And and forget you know, leave us the reviews. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us what you like about the episode what you don't like and we'll you know we'll, we'll keep it loose and we'll keep it on the on the fly we try to bring you everything that we think a couple guys on the couch and delco would like to hear we're bringing sports we're talking beers 
you know, we're, we're talking barbecue and, and everything in, in our, in our own little special fashion. So thank you for listening. Uh, and we'll be back next week. And as always, go birds. And you know what? Let's go flyers. Sign JT.